Hello and welcome to episode 236 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. The Charlie Hall Chase is the feature on Weatherby's card this Saturday with Ascot also racing over their jumps course. City AM Racing Editor Bill Esdale previews the best of Saturday's UK horse racing action with Wally Pyra looking ahead to Sunday's race meeting in Hong Kong. So, but we look forward to a great weekend of action. We've got the USA with the Breeders' Cup on a separate podcast uh, for you to listen to as well with Mick Appleby, Big Ebb's trainer. He's on there in an interview, so have a listen to that if you can. We're going to look at the UK meetings, uh, which are predominantly at Ascot and Weatherby. Charlie Hall chase at Weatherby. He's only attracted four runners, which is disappointing in said the least, but... The weather seems to have caught Weatherby out. They've got standing water there on Thursday night, Friday morning. There's a big chance it won't go ahead at all. What do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of rain around. I um, mean, all these tracks have had the proper kind of uh, dousing all week. And Weatherby have abandoned their Friday meeting. They're making a call on Friday, probably going to put an inspection in place. But there's rain around. Um, yeah, yeah, and Ascot's not totally safe. I mean, Ascot's... Um, They've updated, you know, soft, heavy in places on the hurdle track um, this morning and, and and soft on the chase course. But um, they've just put out a note saying that they're expecting between now, Friday and Saturday, between seven and 12 mils to fall. So it's going to be proper heavy ground um, mm. at, at both tracks that they're on. But yeah, we, we, we'll leave Weatherby for a moment, even though it is the Charlie Hall. We'll put Ascot up first because I guess we think that's got more of a chance of succeeding to run on Saturday. We're going to start at Ascot then with the one thirty, the first TV race of the day there. Two miles and three furlongs for novices limited handicap chase, just the nine runners. And I noticed in these limited handicaps, whether they be chased or whatever they are, they all seem to have smaller fields than a regular handicap, which um, I guess makes it a bit tougher to try and find a decent price winner. But we've got horses like are you wise to that from John Joe O'Neill and passing well for Jamie Snowden in this one? Cruise control for Tom Lacey. Uh, Hermino AA for Gary Moore, who always seems to have winners pretty much uh, every day of the week, all in this field. And the betting round about four to one for a small field. So is this a tricky race to start with? Yeah, really trappy, trappy race to start with. I mean, um, are you wise to that? That's four to one favorite. Passing well, nine to two. Hermonia are. Uh... 11 to 2, cruise control 11 to 2, Scarface 6 to 1. I mean, it's proper proper heads and tails stuff. This um, really difficult race to kind of get a lid on this kind of novices um, handicap. I mean, are, are you wise to that? Deserves to be favoured <laughs> on, on the back of a, a, a good win at Warwick. Um, always in good time. That was on good ground, though. And this ground is going to be very different. So that has to be a worry. Um, Gary Moore always, you mentioned it, always targets this race. Fair enough, got a great record um, in this particular contest and always aims a good one at it. And here's a horse with soft ground form, uh, one at Warwick last time we saw saw him in action. Um, he's got a big weight, Hermino AA or Hermino R, um, double A. But he probably gets the vote because he's just got that bit of class. I mean, he's only rated one two nine. He's got a big weight to lug round. I mean, there's dangers left, right, and centre. Scarface catches the eye. Even the outsider, Twin Jets, 
you know, travelled well for a long way last time. Um, but look, very, very difficult. I'm going to have a small stakes um, bet on Hermina AA, uh, just on the basis of um, we'll handle the ground and Gary Moore targets good ones at this particular contest. Another nine go to post at 2.05, over two miles and a furlong in a handicap chase. It's a premier handicap. And we've got some old favourites in here. In particular, Boot Hill's back again. There's an eight-year-old uh, Harry Fry trains Jonathan Burke in the saddle. Not seen that one since February of 23, finishing third behind Solo at Kempton. Red Rook is in there for the very much inform Emma Lavelle stable at the moment. Flair Damez goes for the Dan Skelton Yard, St. Seagal, Windop. Now with uh, Jane Williams trains this one, David Noonan rides. And first flows in there as well, right at the top, carrying 12 stone for, for Kim Bailey in the 205 at Ascot, Bill. Yeah, to, uh, good race, this one. Um, in Mid Enigma, that's Boot Hill, um, is back. It's difficult to know what you, you're going to get with him. Um, little bit disappointing at both Donnie and Kempton, but you know, on 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 his Ascot win here last last kind of November, um, he's potentially still very excited. It's it's a race that the class at the top have to lug monster weights. And in my anti-post column on Wednesday, I went for Saint Segal first up, first run back after a wind up that's got bad ground form. Whether it's really bad ground with one on soft. Not sure it wants it really heavy, um, but he's definitely well handicapped. He's had his wind done. Whether that was what made him run a little bit below par behind Red Rookie um, last time at Warwick, I'd imagine it probably was. Um, he's around six to one. I was hoping he'd be a bit bigger, but getting best part of a stone and a half from the top ones. Look, you respect first flow. He's got a great Ascot record. Funabala Savola is a is a you know a, a proper grade two borderline grade one soft ground. Uh, chaser you know fell in the champion chase he's had his win done too he's dangerous to dismiss even with a with a big weight um red rookies also put up last week missed his engagement at cheltenham he's going to be favorite around seven to two got really good background form um whether he'll totally see out the extended trip is a little niggling worry for me um i think two miles is his perfect tri- trip um, did win on heavy ground back in January at Exeter. So with her horses in form, Red Rookie's the big danger. Um, but I'm going to stick with Saint Seagull. But I certainly wouldn't put people off. Um, four to one available about Red Rookie. Um, but Saint Seagull gets the call for me. Okay, we continue at Ascot at three fifteen, just shy of two miles for a handicap hurdle with a field of twelve and the likes of Rare Middleton who's owned by a couple of big owners, Brian Drew and Diana Waitley, combining to own this horse. He's had a wind up for Paul Nichols, previously trained over in Ireland before coming to the Nichols yard. Going to be quite popular. Our champ goes for Chris Garden, having won his last two races in September and in October. So in really good form, one at Cheltenham on the 27th of October, well, by seven and a half lengths as well. Alto Belli's got the tongue tie on. For the first time for Harry Fry, Teddy Blue has been winning some decent races for Gary Moore last season. I remember him turning up a couple of times. I think at Lingfield he won uh, on a pretty soft going on that occasion. And we've got Knickerbocker Glory in there as well as we look at the 315 bill. Yeah, another another good contest. Um have got Capron, top weight, and Favois, the county hurdle winner. Teddy Blue unseated at Cheltenham last week. Um 
Altabelli ran in that grade one that Ray Audition ran in at Aintree. So look, <laughs> proper good race. Um, I think it's a, it's it's one of those contests. You, uh, our champ is going to be favourite on the back of what he did at Cheltenham last week. But look, he's eleven pounds higher in the weights. Very different ground. I'd be prepared to kind of swear leave him to be honest at, at the at the prices. Um, I was going to have a couple of darts here. I was going to go for Knickerbocker Glory um, of Dan Skelton's with Tristan Durrell taking five pounds off. The key to this horse is I was just going back through his record when he's fresh um, after 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 breaks and you know back in you know January twenty two after a fifty day break he won at Taunton and. Then he came out one at Perth after a fifty day break in April and after a hundred and eight day break last year he went went back and ran a cracker second to Isio at Sandown um in the Imperial Cup. That was a hell of a run off one two nine. Um he's only wherever he is, one pound higher here, but Tristan Doyle taking five pounds off, handles background. This would have been the plan for a long time. I thought nine, ten to one was a really good each way bet, Nickerbocker glory. Um and the other one was um twelve to one bad number number nine um he's a horse who he was well touted for the fred winter last year uh you know he went off five to one in a race where rachel blackmore rode him um on his first run for ben pauling having come from france that was <laughs> presumably because they thought that the mark of, of one two six was too lenient and he was far too keen that day just just raced wide and was never into the race but didn't run terribly back here at ascot last time um back in April off one two four. He's now down to one two two. Ben Pauling's been amongst the winners. Um David Howden's obviously a big Ascot man who's the owner. So this would have been the plan to have a have a high profile, nice, nice runner here. He's down to one two two. Heavy ground won't be a problem because his his last run in France was a win on heavy ground. Stays a bit further than two. Um if he's grown up a bit because he was a tiny little thing. You could have put him, lifted him up. He's, he looks like a dog rather than a racehorse. Uh, if he's grown up a bit, strengthened up, um, I expect him to take a big step forward this year as a four-year-old. And yeah, one, two, two might might be a bit lenient. So yeah, I was going to take the pair of them, kind of fish around for nine, ten to one, nick a of glory and some 12 to one bad. I think you've got a good bet. And finally, at Ascot on Saturday, we look at the 345, 12 runners over three miles who knows what the ground's going to be like by then at 3.45 in the afternoon for this Gold Cup handicap chase. And the likes of Monkbeg Genius is going to be popular. He ran third in the ultimate at the festival behind Korak Rambler for John Joe O'Neill and his son on board. Beauport goes here for Nigel Twiston Davis. And the good old friend El Dorado Allen is back, the nine-year-old for, for Joe Tizard. Two for goals, also in there for Kim Bailey. We we know all of these, don't we? Larry's in there too, uh, and and others as well. And one again looks like a tricky contest at three forty-five. No, this is good. This is a perfect contest. This was this is my one of my big fancies of the day. I put this up. Um, El Dorado Allen, a headline that uh, went in Wednesday's paper in in City M at, at ten to one. I think he's a knocking bet if he runs. <laughs> um, I think he will. Um, <laughs> the argument I put together for him is his back class and his his ability to go really well when when fresh, and that was the the, the main main thing. I mean, he he began last season chasing home Brave Man's Game. Um, we're going to talk about that at the Charlie Hall. Um, he was rated one six two, and now here he is running off one five four with um, 
Freddie Gingle taking off seven pounds. You know, so in essence, he's running off one four seven, um, which is a lenient mark for a horse that could get himself into a great tune first time up. Um, going back through his back show, you know, you have to go back to you know, kind of when he's run fresh. You know, October twenty twenty, he, he slammed Stormy Island at Newton Abbott, came back after a break in January twenty one, just just chased home Shiskin, which isn't exactly bad form. Um, November twenty one. Um, beat Hitman in the uh, Holden Gold Cup, uh, which was a very, very good run. Uh, and then, as I just, just mentioned, he was second to Brave Man's Game um, in the Charlie Hall 12 months ago. That form is rock solid. I think he... Um, this is his kind of cup final for him because it's 56 grand to the winner. Um, <laughs> I think he's got lots going for him. He was 10 to 1 early in the week. Um, I think that was a knocking bet, as I said in the column. He's seven to one now. I think the key is um, Mongbeg Genius and Beauport. Um, we're recording this at 10 o'clock or 9.50 on um, Friday morning. Um, at the time of recording, both of those have also been declared uh, for Carlisle on Sunday. So whether that's a protective venture just in case Ascot's off, because they're desperate to get kind of preps into them for the Hennessy, or whether it's because they'd rather go there rather than run in bottomless ground. Ask, I don't know. Ground at Carlisle's no better by the look of it. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. I'd imagine one or one or both of those might divert towards Carlisle but on Sunday. Um, but if they don't, I, I still like Eldorado Allen. I think he's going to run really well. I think seven to one, four places is a fair enough shout. Um, and yeah, I think he'd do for me. I think he'll run well. Okay, so there's the action we're looking at at Ascot on Saturday. We'll have a look at Weatherby and the three main races there and the hope that the weather does um, play its part. Although standing water is not a great way to lead into the weekend. No racing on Friday, as Bill said, at Weatherby. So we'll see how they get on on Saturday. Should they go ahead, we'll look at the 150, which is the mare's hurdle over two miles and seven runners. Lucia goes here for Nicky Henderson having finished third to in the pocket in the Grade 1 Poundland Top Novices Hurdle at Aintree back in April, the national meeting. Katia was in there for Dan and Harry Skelton, a winner of uh, three of her races. You talked to the Huntington and Market Racing before finishing second at uh, Aintree behind Irish Point, also in April. And you wear it wells in there for Jamie Snowden as well. Uh, Gavin Sheehan on board for horse that won at Cheltenham. He won the uh, Jack de Bromhead Mayor's Novices Hurdle. That was a grade two at the festival. So this looks good if they can get it all on the all going ahead on Saturday afternoon at one fifty. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be a doubt um, whether they can, they can actually get this this thing on. Um, the ground is going to be a worry. Um, for, for a few of these, I'm not sure Lucia wants it as soft as this. <clears throat> Katira um, is battling it out for favoritism with with Lucia at the moment. Um, Katira was brilliant at all of last season, really, and rounded off with a really good second to Irish Point uh, Aintree, um, a previously won you know market race and and Huntington by streets you know big big distances but prove that she's really progressive and deserves a crack at, at, at this level um back against her own sex um she's handled soft ground whether she's handled ground as soft as this remains to be seen she deserves to be favorite i'd say um 
<clears throat> particularly as she gets three pounds from you wear it well and Lucia gets the pound from you wear it well. Um, <clears throat> do I think they'll be on? Probably not. Um, if they are on, it's going to be hideous ground. It's going to be ground fairly similar to that ground we saw last year at, at Newbury um, for the shallow hurdle. Uh, they they called it soft, but it was heavy, heavy stuff. And I'm going to stick with you wear it well. She did us a great favour in the Mayor's Novices at at um, Cheltenham. Uh, she's a relentless galloper. She stays well, you know, further than this. So she won't lack for stamina. She handles bad ground. Yes, she's got a penalty and <clears throat> lives that bit tougher, but she'll go out in front and, you know, a few of the others may wave the white flag. Maybe Katira will come and get her, but you wear it well at the prices. You know, she's three to one. I think that's fair enough. And um, she'll do for me. We've got the West Yorkshire Hurdle at 225. It's over three miles. Another small field, six here. And the old favourites reappose here. Time Hill in there for Philip Hobbs. Um, what's he now? Nine-year-old. He's another one that's uh, been around for ages. So is Dashiell Drasher, who's 10 for Jeremy Scott. I think he had a couple of options. Botox has his in there for Gary Moore. Galore in there for Jamie Snowden as well, alongside Ambitious Fellow and uh, possible outsider Red Risk. So a small field over three miles for the West Yorkshire Hurdle. And, and a few of these won't be wanting the ground as bad, although Time Hill won't be too worried about it, I don't think. No, and and he he would be the selection to be honest, and and you know it's madness to think the horses like Ambitious Fellow and Botox House have to give four pounds to Time Hill, a horse of his quality. Um, the key here, Philip Philip Hodds and Johnson White have started the season really well. <clears throat> They're operating at kind of five from fifteen the last fortnight, um, so complete polar opposite to twelve months ago. And yeah, he's he's just a horse that that he didn't really take to fencing, and. Even though you know he he won a Grade One over fences, he won the Quarto Star um, in pretty emphatic style on softest ground. Um, handles bad stuff. Um, got good form at Ascot on heavy ground, um, so we know he handles bad stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I, he, he's he's won fresh before. Um, lots to like about him. I think he's going to take the world of beating here. I know he's favourite. Um, Dashiell Drasher was obviously placed in the um, World Hurdle last year. And he's got bits and pieces of form. Hasn't actually won over this three-mile trip. Um, he seems to kind of the petrol gauge. He seems to go to zero very late on because he's a proper two-and-a-half mudlark. Um, if it was two-and-a-half, I'd probably think he might win. But three miles, Time Hill, Mikhail Nolan. Um, looking at the prices you can get twos, I think that's a knocking bet. I think he's going to take the world of beating. Finally, to look at in the UK on Saturday, should he go ahead at three o'clock? It is the feature race, the Charlie Hall Chase, a grade two over three miles and just the four turning up for this one. But um, well, three top horses are, and uh, I suppose the fourth, not quite as good as, as the others, but we'll see. Uh, Brave Man's Games in there for Paul Nichols, having been beaten at Cheltenham by Galapander Sharp by seven lengths. He'd won two previous to that, of course, at Weatherby. He won the uh, Charlie Hall last year. Uh, in 22, and then went and won the, the King George at Kempton en route to Cheltenham. Ahoy Senor is in here for Lucinda Russell, who was second at Aintree behind Shiskin, only beaten a length and a half in that Aintree Bowl. And then what was a cracking race? 
Mouse Morris brings over Gentleman's Game from Ireland, having won at Leopardstown. And the outside is going to be Midnight River for Dan and Harry Skelton, although he did win at the uh, Handicap Chase at Aintree in April. So he comes on, on the back of a win over from last season. Are we disappointed, first of all, that we've only got four in the Charlie Hall this time of the year worth, you know, it's a £100,000 race? Yeah, it is a bit disappointing. Um, I mean, we all long for good horses, but then good horses scare off of the opposition. That's the problem. I suppose the, the also-rans in this race would be horses that might be aiming at races like the Ultima Handicap at the Festival or, or the Hennessy or any of these kind of three-mile chases. And you probably don't want to get too close to horses like Ahoy Senor and Brave Man's Game off near enough levels and then find yourself up 10 pounds in the handicap. I presume that's the reason. Um, couple of the fact there's really bad ground and that's, that's got to be the kind of concern for connections as to whether they take their, their chances or not. Um, I thought this was trappy. Um, at the prices, brave man's game is really warm order. Obviously he's eight to 11 last year's winner. Um, Ran some crackers last year. I mean, obviously, you know, went out on his sword in the in the Cheltenham Gold Cup with a brilliant race where he was chased home, galloping to Sean. But real good duel coming down to the second last and the last. Um, and then when he got beaten in a funny race at Punchestown, um, you know, I suppose you ask yourself the question whether a race like this left its mark, whether he wants really bad ground. There's, there's enough reasons not to take a really short price about him. Um, primarily because it's a, a difficult test, but you've got to find something to beat him. And the problem with Ahoy Senor is he, he's the obvious one, bar the fact that he's terrible first time up. And he seemed to take a few runs to get going. He was like a rusty old bite last season. Everyone was saying he might have gone. And then he suddenly, it wasn't until we saw him win at Cheltenham on New Year's Day that we thought he was back. But, you know, don't forget he was beaten 40 lengths in, the, in, the, in this race last year um, behind Brave Man's game when he was, you know, nearly odds on favourite and then he was smashed by him out the out the ground at, at Kempton on Boxing Day too um, so he didn't show anything in the first half of last season that's got to be a worry with him <coughs> so um, for that reason I I will just pop up a Hail Mary and actually go for Gentleman's Game um, on form got too much to find um, you know on, on, on ratings he's he's got over a stone a bit to find with with Brave Man's Game, only getting six pounds. But it's Mouse Marius, Morris, um, a horse that's had the only one that had a prep run uh, around the back end of last month and ran okay behind Easy Game. On bad ground, will stay the trip. Just might be overlooked. If the race is on and you can get kind of six to one, it's five to one now, but you might get a six to one gentleman's game, I'd probably be prepared to risk it because... I just think um, he doesn't have bomb out written on him like the other two might have. And, you know, um, it just might be one of those Richard Halls, but gentleman's game still going. You know, it's one of those. He just might just just carry on when the others cry enough. And, and uh, yeah, I thought he was um, I thought he was overpriced. So from the cold and rain of the UK. Let's have a look at Chartin Racecourse. We're back at Chartin on Sunday morning with Wally Pyra, our racing expert from Hong Kong. We'll have a look at the 10 races there, at least the best of what Wally can find, a couple of winners. We've got a group three to look forward to. But before we do that, 
You mentioned last weekend on the podcast, Wally, Equinox, the Japanese horse, brilliant, brilliant horse. He won again. And what about Romantic Warrior winning the Cox Plate? What will that mean for Hong Kong? That's brilliant, isn't it? Oh, it was undoubtedly um, one of the highlights in Hong Kong racing for many, many years, purely and simply, because as I said beforehand, I think it was, what was it, 2005, the last time a horse from Hong Kong had won in Australia. The Cox Plate, one of the, well, it's the, the biggest race alongside with the Melbourne Cup. And to get a horse over there and to compete against uh, Australia's best and win, but the, the fact of it was the race itself. Um, for, for anybody that's watched it, if you can't get excited after watching that race, you might as well give up with horse racing because yeah. really and truly to see where the cameras flashed onto the connections of both horses, Mr. Brightside and um, uh, Romantic Warrior, when they flashed past the post, both of them thought it had won. Mm. Um, and then they stopped and they watched the replay and it wasn't too easy to tell because it was in the shades of the post but what he means to Hong Kong is huge I think because hopefully he will open up um, Hong Kong racing or Hong Kong uh, the races they don't really need to go abroad they don't need to show their horses off because yeah. the prize is so great other than yeah. going to japan anywhere else in the world it's not worth it making the the thing but it's just the um tradition of winning these races um looks will look good for them obviously danny shummer's done it that's the second time he's done it 2012 royal ascot he won at um the what was it the king stand stakes uh, with Little Bridge, and he's done it. So, yeah, all in all, that was a wonderful performance and a wonderful prestige for Hong Kong uh, racing. And Equinox, well, he's just a different league, isn't he? He really is. I actually thought before the race, he's got a bit of a fight. He may have a fight on his problem. He did help you know, the horse out in front. Uh, went off at such a rattling pace because he got him into his nice, easy rhythm. But really and truly, he's some super, super horse. Hopefully, hopefully, and of course, he will go on to be racing again next year. He will go further afield. I mean, yeah. he's done Dubai, but let's see what happens. But yeah, a weekend of foreign racing was great for all horse racing enthusiasts. Absolutely. Yeah, well done. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, this weekend, then, what we got coming up this weekend? Right, well, uh, 10 races Sunday. Unfortunately, because of the hours have gone are back now, racing starts at the ungodly hour of 5 o'clock a.m. in the morning. You have got to be pretty keen to be getting out of bed on these cold winter, well, say winter, but it is freezing cold at the moment. The feature race is the Sarsars Ladies Purse. It's a Group 3 handicap over nine furlongs, £420,000 in prize money. It's a Group 3. Um, the field includes money catcher last year's winner, but having to carry £20 extra in the saddle this time. Casper Founds saddles a couple of runners, Senor Tober and, Se and uh, Straight Aaron. Notably, you've got to mention Straight Aaron, who's been just been trained to race at the international meet, probably the Hong Kong Cup over 10 furlongs in December. He hadn't shown too much in two runs over inadequate trips so far this season, but he's a 
dual course and distance winner. Um, so expect to see him in a different light. He's certain to show up much better. And you've also got Encountered, who ran on strongly behind California Spangle over a mile. And uh, um, the Purton and John Size partnership, they team up with Running Glory. Interesting. It's only the fifth time that Purton and um, Size combined this season. So uh, obviously interesting. But the one horse, no doubt, the, the, the pin-up horse in the race is Super Sunny Singh. Now, Super Sunny Singh really and truly needs to win this race if he's got any serious aspirations about running in either in the Hong Kong International Race Meeting uh, next month. He does need to win this. He only carries £118, which I, I reckon quickly working out. What's that, about eight stone six? He won on his seasonal appearance. He had a, a wide journey, but he quickened up nicely in the closing stages over a mile. Uh most improved performer last season. He went up £34 in the ratings. He's won six from his 12 starts. And really and truly, it will be disappointing if he doesn't win. Anybody that's looking maybe for a rank outsider in the field, at least I say a rank outsider, all these rank outsiders that I keep mentioning seem to be single-figure prices when they line up. But there you go. Mm. It's a horse called our City Blanche. He's a former... Argentinian galloper from the Tony Cruz yard. He's obviously talented but quirky, but he never saw daylight two weeks ago over the course and distance. If he runs that sore race again, but with a bit more luck, he could be a bit of a surprise. But there we go. Now, other races to keep an eye on on the car, are, are, and I'm picking the later races when we'll all be up having our cup of tea or a bacon and eggs. Let's start with the 840. It's a class four handicap over seven furlongs. Runners like Always Fluke, uh, Pins Prince, River Views and the Unlucky Chili Barber. Now, they were only separated by just over a length um, in a bunch finish behind Leslie three weeks ago. And they're sure to be popular with the betting public, again, who will make excuses and various means. Although uh, Chili Barber was the eye catcher in that race, never got a sort of run. But you've got to keep, I, I personally think you've got to keep an eye on a horse called Beto from the Tony Cruz yard, which £7 claimer Angus Chung aboard. He, he had a treble on Wednesday, the young apprentice, so he's full of confidence. It was slightly disappointed when only fifth last start, but he's very well handicapped on previous form. And I think he's, if, providing he puts his best foot forward, he's got a good chance. 35 minutes later in the sixth furlong handicap at 9.15, Cruz and Chung, uh, they team up again with his top weight, Beauty Crescent, who looks only to reproduce his last month's form when he was chased home, that smart sprinter, lucky encounter to probably score his first win in Hong Kong. However, he does face some pretty stiff opposition for the likes of talented but wayward global harmony, the fast improving northern beaches. I did notice that it, that horse cost a, a million pounds, sorry, half a million pounds as a yearling 
in the 2021 sales. So he's worth an eye. And ladies' choice would perk the board, riding at his minimum weight again. And you can't forget, obviously, uh, Swift Axe Ascend from Douglas Whiteyard. He trained the treble at the Valley on Wednesday, and he's likely to leave last month's encouraging happy value debut well behind. So an interesting race. The form book says that uh, Beauty Crescent should win if he reproduces that last form, but he faces some pretty stiff and dodgy opposition in my eyes anyway, including Northern Beaches, who I would have fancied strongly if he hadn't got an outside draw. And finally, let's look at the finale on the card, a competitive handicap over seven furlongs at 9.50. Now, the interesting thing here is you've got three horses, much improved yellowfin, fast moving green and white and progressive handicap of blue marley are all going for hat tricks. So you can say this is a pretty tough contest to pick out. Difficult to pick who will come out best of the trio. But I will also say, don't forget Parterre, a former Tony Millard um, trained gelding. He won on his last start. He's well handicapped, actually, with green and white on previous form. So you've got to keep an eye on him. And a horse that I quite like, which is Good Buddy, who produced an encouraging seasonal run over a trip, probably short of his best of six furlongs when he was close up behind Lucky Encounter. He's a previous dual winner over seven furlongs at Chartin. He's still fairly handicapped. I wouldn't say he's well handicapped, but he's fairly handicapped and he's a pretty good horse. So all in all, it's a really tough race that to find a winner, but an interesting spectacle. If I was to have a, a few dollars on, I'd probably have it on each way on Good Buddy. But all in all, it's a good and competitive card at Chartin. Hopefully, Super Sunny Singh wins, and then it's full steam ahead for the international meeting at Chartin next month. Thanks, Wally. That's all from us for today. We'll be back again next week as we take our usual look ahead to the weekend's top racing action. So please make sure that you join us then. Don't forget to visit the City AM website for all the latest news and horse racing tips and follow the podcast on Apple Tunes, Spotify, Amazon Music and Stitcher to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released.